Pop Shield, a long-form discussion podcast about musical topics both past and present. I'm Gabe, and I'm joined as always by Dan. Hello. And Darren. Hello. So we definitely have to apologize for our lengthy absence. The holidays kept us away for even longer than we had anticipated, but we are officially back to our regular bi-weekly schedule, and we're hoping this episode will help make it up to you. It's finally time for our 2019 recap. We're going to count down and undoubtedly argue about our personal top five albums of the year, but we're also going to discuss some honorable mentions, other end-of-the-year lists that are predictably riling people up, aka Pitchfork, and finally, we'll offer up some reflections on 2019 as a whole. I'm extremely curious to hear your guys' lists, so let's jump right in. Dan, what is your number five album of 2019? Yeah, uh, number five for me, I went with Swan's uh, Leaving Meaning. Okay, so I have this on my list a little bit later as well. I'm surprised it ended up on yours, but why? Yeah, it, you know, I, I'm a huge Swans fan, and uh, I don't know if we've mentioned it on the podcast, but we've talked to personally. Like, th- this album is a little bit of a disappointment for me. It, it seems it's a little bit of a step back from, you know, just the, like, monster of that that previous trilogy with the Seer and, uh, you know, to, to Going Man. Um, this, one, it, it, this one sort of feels almost like a... Uh, like a compilation of of like Jira's career as a whole um you know we're getting a lot of stuff that that sounds like angels of light his uh you know band in between when swans was broken up and then before they got back together and a lot of like sort of uh mid-period swans like uh white light from the mouth of infinity and uh, i mean amnesia is is recorded again on this new record um but it was originally on Love of Life. Um, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So when you uh, say this, you mean like kind of their sort of like gothic country Yeah, yeah, vibe. exactly. Exactly. Um, so, you know, we're kind of getting that. And so, you know, it didn't have this like uh, uh, forward driving, you know, sort of feel to it like like the uh, the, the previous uh, trilogy uh, did. But, I mean, that being said, you know, I don't want to be all negative here. Uh, it is like a great, um, like all the songs are great. It's just sort of not like the greatest uh, record as a whole. Um, but I mean, there, there's some things in here, like, like the song, the hanging man is, um, is, is just like peak swans, you know, that, that, that is like what you want. And uh, I mean, sun fucker, you, you can't, yep. you can't not love a song called that. And, um, I, I really love my phantom limb with like Gerard, like mm. talking sort of like, uh, two different channels, like sort of, um, off, off kilter or whatever, you know, from each other, like you uh. know, stuff like that is just so rad and you know what would you go to swans for so a little bit you know i i would have thought before i heard this record you know it would have been a shoe in for for number one or two um so you know it, it got it got demoted a little bit to number five but it's still it's still a great record i think you know i, I think this poses sort of an interesting philosophical question i want to get your take on this darren because basically i will freely admit that i'm one of these you know, douchebags that had never listened to Swans until the Seer. Okay, I'll just admit it. And I, I think I'm not alone. There are really a lot of people. This was like a huge breakout moment for them, especially with the current generation. Um, and so to me, Leaving Meaning sounds like completely new, like a complete sort of s- step forward. Um, I think it's sort of a fascinating like refinement of their post-reunion kind of sound um, because things are sort of like more focused, tighter. They are 
often like sustaining one idea rather than, you know, 30 minutes like cycling through and building up between many ideas. And there's, but there's also sort of like this new grace and like beauty and elegance to it. It's like a very pretty record, which is not something I ever thought I would describe Swans as. So my question is kind of, you know, am I wrong to like, to put it in my top five albums of the year, Darren, because it's sort of just my ignorance, according to Dan, I just have to take his word for it, that I don't know that this is sort of a step backward. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I totally get what you're saying. And it's actually really like a really interesting way to to think about things because, um, and I, I, I'm sure it's probably happened to me like dozens of times where like, you know, you just happen to fall in love with a, a band or an album and you didn't even realize that they've been doing this for you know however long or whatever so it sounds like brand new to you i I don't really blame you for it like i think that that's it's you know it's kind of like how i come to things from the outside you know uh things like autech or whatever you know what i mean i might hear it for the first time and thinking that it's like groundbreaking when you guys are like this is like this is their thing they've been doing this for albums you know what i mean so uh, i think it's still cool yeah, I mean, what do you think about my my decision, Dan? Yeah, I mean, you can't know everything about every, you know, band. Like, this just happens to be what I would consider one of my favorite bands. So I know all of their records. I've listened to them all. I pretty much, you know, like, know them very well. You know, you can't do that with it. I'm sure there's some record I like that is just a ripoff of, of another record or, or something that, that I'm ignorant of that other record. Right, right. And so, you know, I mean sometimes you have to look at things in a, in a vacuum or, I mean, in your case, not, not necessarily a vacuum, but, uh, you know, just a small window of, of a career, especially a band like Swan. I mean, filth, their first record came out in, uh, 1983. So, you know, it's overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like you you just didn't listen to two other records or something, you know, you, you got a, you got a whole mess to, to catch up on. Yeah. But it kind of made me think of like another, uh, 2019 phenomenon um i think it was 2019 maybe it was even in, back into 2018 but greta van fleet okay <laughs> you remember like all the debates oh, about yeah, this yeah. where it's like the people who like them have obviously never listened to led zeppelin before and so you want to be like you shouldn't like this you know it's just a ripoff of something better or whatever and you know i guess their fans would argue something like I don't care. I don't I don't feel the desire to go back and do this research. I just like what I'm hearing even though it's like so, you know, it sounds so much like Led Zeppelin. Have you listened to this, Darren? Greta Van Fleet? I don't think I have, no. Oh my god, you have to look it up. It's like uncanny <laughs> how much <laughs> yeah. it sounds like them. It, it's and, like a bar band copying them, oh you know. My god. Or yes. Yeah. But like the voice is perfect. I mean, it's just crazy. And so you know what I mean? Like, is that the territory I'm in? I guess it's not as big of a. I don't. Of an I don't think so because I mean, if you've never heard Led Zeppelin before, it's like, have you ever like <laughs> been outside your house? You know, like yeah. I, I, I think there's a difference in not knowing a like somewhat obscure uh, no wave band, you know, that made a gothic country set of records in the, right, in the right. uh, late '90s or something. Um, I think that I think there's a quite a big difference and, and even in you know Greta Van Fleet uh that's garbage uh like leaving meaning it's like it's not so much that like Gerard's like copying himself or something like at least it's it's the same guy you know yeah, it's just sort of true. like a culmination of his like um entire career uh, up to this point where whereas I think like um the previous records and and previous records for most of their career have always like sort of like been moving on to a new thing but I mean you know he's older now uh I think it's I think it's the the appropriate time to do what he's doing. Yeah, you're right. Um, 
maybe I will save just a few extra thoughts when I get around to this. Um, but let's move on to your number five, Darren. So my number five was Helado Negro. Uh, okay. This is how you smile. So <clears throat> Pitchfork, I think, described this record, or I guess the music of this record, as like synth folk. And mm. I think that's what kind of like immediately engaged me. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. It kind of immediately sort of like sucks you in and puts you almost like in a trance. You know what I mean? Um, and he goes, he starts from like using like English lyrics to like Spanish lyrics and kind of like goes back and forth and stuff. And like the first time I heard it, I was, I like couldn't turn it off. You know what I mean? It was just something right. that like I just kind of wanted to keep on hearing. And then like when the album ended, it felt like I wasn't even ready for it to end. So, you know, that, that says a lot. Sometimes that kind of means like, well, what about the individual songs? And to me, this album was a little bit more one of those albums that you just sort of like didn't necessarily pay attention to like individual songs. Like there were definitely moments that stuck out, but as you like kind of go on, like I wasn't, it wasn't one of those ones where I'm like looking down at my phone or looking down to see like, what song am I on? It's just kind of like, let it keep going. You know what I mean? It's just like one long drawn out piece, you know? Yeah. I love this record and I find that it flies by like very, very fast somehow. Um, it's a really interesting, you know, sound because yeah it's kind of like there there are a lot of like synths and even drum machines and stuff but it's like very minimal and it does have sort of a folky like um you know it makes me think of people like devanger banhart or like these kind yeah, of older yeah, like whis- yeah. whispery indie folk yes, of yore um yes. but with like sort of an updated musical palette but it still has kind of like a nice lo-fi edge especially on his vocals but i think like just every song the the hook is it's almost like, you know, it's it's weird because I feel like with a different production style, it would be like an absolutely slapping disco track, some of these songs. You know what <laughs> yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really, really fascinating. I don't suppose you, you ever got around to this, Dan. No, I actually, uh, I didn't. Um, but your description made me curious. I actually just saved it uh, to my phone. So I'll listen yeah, to it. It's, it's uh, I think, definitely, definitely worth it. Um, so I'll do my number five. It is Panda Bear Buoys. Um, oh pretty divisive album and by divisive i mean just everybody hates it for some reason (laughs) except for me you're the only one (laughs) (laughs) and i don't know i just feel like everybody must have listened to it once and just you know gave up on it because the sound is so freaking weird like when i first listened to it i I just is like so arresting i was like what the hell is this because basically every song is like extremely skeletal where it's just sort of like a strummed acoustic guitar with like delays on it and then kind of like extremely booming low end but just sometimes like peppered in throughout maybe like some hi-hat in there too and then his vocals are auto-tuned and kind of like pitched down throughout and it basically sounds like it almost sounds like demos or something and maybe even sounds like you must have had this experience both of you guys making music you know like sometimes you're just like playing around with effects and you find something like you know a weird um effect on your mixer and you weren't you're not really going to use that but it's just like fun to like sing through yeah playing around and then you accidentally spend like three hours just kind (laughs) of goofing around you know what i mean um the record sounds like that like he was just playing around and just ended up in a day i'm sure it wasn't really this way but like over the course of a day just sort of knocking out all these songs um just having fun with it and it gives it this kind of like breezy relaxed vibe it makes me think of like floating in a pool or something and 
my my argument is that basically every track is such an earworm and the it's like these just beautiful little earworm pop songs combined with the strangest arrangement i've ever heard um makes it like the weirdest standout kind of jam that all year i couldn't i couldn't forget about it i couldn't really stop listening to it did you guys ever get around to checking this out you know, I sort of did what you uh, said at the beginning of, of you talked about it. I, it was one of those things like I listened to it once because you had said, you know, that was pretty good. Uh-huh. It didn't really hit me and I completely forgot about it. And then I this is the first time I'm remembering it because nobody has, has talked <laughs> yeah. about it like you said, yeah. you know. Yeah, I didn't get a chance to uh, listen to it, but I definitely remember you like encouraging and talking about it. But yeah, I honestly I, had forgotten that this record existed <laughs> i will say that your description did not sell me on it uh no it sounds wow. like he's fucking around you know and yeah. uh, you know it's just something like really sell me if it wasn't panda bear if it had no connection to animal collective nobody knew who this was it would be like one of those you know record collector gems that you know costs like a thousand dollars for a copy yeah. because it's just like it would be like the strangest thing like how did this come to exist and that that makes so me weird but, a little but like alluring kind of yeah so um and also it has the best lyric of 2019 a slap on a jelly ass so <laughs> i can't really do better than that um all right dan That's what's true. your number four <clears throat> yeah number four i got danny brown you know what i'm saying um okay. danny brown i i love him i think he's one of the the best uh rappers uh around um but he all, all of his records like up up until this point like have always suffered from that uh, little bit too long kind of kind of syndrome that that plagues um rap music mm-hmm. uh, especially i i thought old you know like i i really love a lot of songs on old but there's a lot of like kind of throwaway things like that that record could be yeah. much shorter um and and so everything's always sort of like had that problem that like just just a little thing that keeps it from being like you know a classic or, or something um whereas this record 33 minutes it's it's all killer no filler and <laughs> you know it, it, the the producing is great you know q-tip is the executive producer he he actually produces uh three tracks on the record uh even some people i i don't particularly care for uh flying lotus uh he he produces a track i, I thought it was great jpeg mafia i'm not a big fan uh mm. loved his track even loved his uh his vocals which coincidentally are on the flying lotus track uh i i just think like uh this this was a, a great rap record it's just fun from from top to bottom um even the all the um uh guest spots are, are all good even even though it's a, you know you don't have huge huge names here run, run the jewels jpeg mafia blood orange uh people not i'm not huge fans of um but i thought they all like held their own here um just a real real fun great record I really love it. It's weird that the it feels like the stakes are so low for the first time, you know, because yeah. he kind of became known for these like big conceptual kind of albums. Um, you think about like Triple X or something, you know, it kind of like, you know, it gets like more somber and darker as it goes along. His voice and changes old does from the like the high yeah. Yeah, to the low. And then yeah, old does like the flip side, which makes it really tragic because it feels like he's learns something but then descends back into his partying ways or something and atrocity exhibition is like kind of like a dark harrowing experience mm-hmm. throughout um this is the first time where it just feels like he's just kind of having fun and like ripping rhymes on some you know like cool beats and stuff yeah, and exactly i get why that disappoints some people um but 
I kind of agree with you that just every track, you know, it's, it's yeah, all killer, I, no filler. Every I track don't is need another, awesome. you know, like if you, if, when you start getting into that, uh, if, if it's another concept record, then it becomes, you know, like, oh, okay, you know, what is it going to be this time? It, it becomes stale, you know, I, I don't, yeah. I'm glad he didn't trap himself in that box. I'm glad we just got the, the fun Danny Brown. Like this record's sort of like, uh, f- you know, his first album before Triple X, the hybrid uh, from 2010, uh-huh. like it, it's sort of like this record in the sense that it, it there, I don't think there's like a grand concept. Uh, it's sort of just like fun, but it's it's a little, you know, he hasn't found his footing. He's not like the greatest rapper yet. You know, there, there's some like missteps here. And I, I feel like this is like an updated, uh, like better version of that that record. Yeah. All right. Uh, what's your number four, Darren? I wonder how much shit I'm going to get for this. Oh, um, boy. <clears throat> Lana Del Rey, Norman okay. fucking Rockwell. <laughs> All right. I don't hate it. I don't hate it. Okay. Uh, so, you know, I actually, I was listening to Lana Del Rey, like, with Born to Die back in, like, 2012 or whatever. And, it, you know, she sort of, like, you know, uh, I was interested in a few of those songs. I, I think it was, like, video games and, like, blue jeans yeah. or something like that. It was a couple of songs, right? The album itself, I don't even really remember much, but those songs came to, came to mind. But um, and then I I never really listened to her again after that. I don't even know what was happening in between. Um, and obviously this record, you know, made it very high on a particular list that we're going to talk about. <laughs> um, right. so it drew my attention, obviously, and I kind of like never could put it down. Like I just sort of like really enjoyed it. Um, I feel like she sort of finally. I don't know, became interesting because previously those first two songs, that was about it. Like every other song just yeah. felt very like the same kind of like, this yeah, I felt the same slow way. swooning, like cinematic, like I'm watching a 1950s, you know, uh, noir movie or something like that, whatever. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so that, that's, that theme still is here. I mean, it hasn't like changed. It hasn't like transformed necessarily, but I do feel like the songs are, a little more fleshed out you know i find her willingness to just i don't know say the word fuck so many times like <laughs> uh pretty interesting overall um and it kept it kept me interested yeah. the record itself kept kept me interested pretty much the entire time i mean there are a lot of moves like that where it feels like she's not it's she's not really like trying to be a pop star anymore and by doing that she's actually succeeding in a way that she never did before because you know yeah. she always she had like kind of the smart irony to her right and but she would like very happily take a top 10 hit you know mm-hmm. like all of her songs were designed to still be that but like i um, felt like people didn't know her like i ask you know your average like coworker or something like that and i'm like yeah you know i don't know Lana del rey right and, and they were they're like huh who and i i mean they would definitely know like that summertime sadness song it's gotta like be right yeah, yeah 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 i mean they would probably know it but you know it always just felt like she was like trying to be cool but also you know have it have it both ways sort of and this one it was like she's like i'm just gonna be i don't know i'm gonna be like a 70 like she like it was more like a Joni mitchell vibe than a you know a sustained mood or something more right. than like i'm gonna try to get a couple hit singles out of this thing and you know there's stuff like yeah the swearing um is like feels less compromising the fact that the third track is like a 10 minute like jam right, is right. insane the thing is actually like a very long record i mean um i agree that it's like sort of a it's her delivering on like the promise that her early singles always had um i do find like it gets really taxing because the sublime cover 
is yeah. admittedly awesome. Oh, but <laughs> I got no, it. It rocks. <laughs> it totally rocks. But it's like fun and upbeat. And other than that, it's an hour of just ballads. Like yeah. literally. I mean, I I am pretty much incapable, even though I actually think every song is great. I'm pretty much incapable of listening to the whole thing all the way through. You know what I mean, Darren? Oh, yeah. I mean, there was definitely it was not easy, you know, putting it on and getting all the way to the end every time, largely because it's just so long. But yeah, I mean, you're right. It's definitely exhausting. But I would find myself like coming back to different portions of the record. You know, never really felt like I needed to start over because I kind of learned early on, like starting over. I never would get to the end, you know what I mean? I'd spend so much time like on the first half of the record, right. which I liked a lot, but I didn't know yeah. the second half enough. And, you know, I came to like really love the song, the next best American record, like, which is like, kind yeah, of towards the I end like and everything. Um, so I, I feel like it's not necessarily an album that like you have to take in all in one sitting, you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't think you do at all. Um, you have any thoughts on this album, Dan? Yeah. I mean, I, predictably i don't love it um <laughs> I, I i think like everything you guys sort of said is right but um i, I feel like you guys are being too nice about it like yeah this, <laughs> this is like not a record i want to listen to the whole record at all it, it it's i don't remember how many tracks it is but it's like 10 ballads and one sublime cover like no no thank you <laughs> Uh, Sublime is maybe the worst band of all time and you can't make their songs better. And then, yeah, just all the ballads. I don't want to hear a ballad and then a ballad and then a ballad and then a ballad. And then a ballad. You know, it's just like, it's, it's soul crushing to, to like, to finish this record. It, it's uh, like all the, all the songs like on their own are like fine. You know, if, if somebody played it for me, I'd be like, oh yeah, that, that was fine. But again, it's I, I wouldn't be like, oh man, I got to hear the rest of you know the other twelve ballads uh, on there. I, I just I don't get the hype for it. Um, I've never really been a fan of her. I don't I don't get the hype around her in general. Uh, do not dig this record. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't really disagree. I think she's still having a little bit of like the I want these songs to get a lot of streams and end up on playlists and stuff. So the record isn't trying so hard to work cohesively and it's like too long on purpose because every successful record has to be too long now to get a bunch of streams. (laughs) Um, But you know, I I do just think that it's like, there's not a bad song here and they're actually, you know, at least like there's like 14 and at least like nine or 10 of them are like excellent, excellent songs, including the sublime cover thank you very much um okay my number four is kind of an obscure one dax pearson live in oakland i don't know if either of you guys have heard of this i have not nope so it's a pretty fascinating record um it's basically a it's two live sets by this guy named dax pearson and this is where i start to question my normal rule about not letting like identity and context and stuff like that influence me too much um you know which pitchfork obviously takes the opposite track on that um issue but it's basically like a guy who in 2005 he got in a car accident and he's like paralyzed from the chest down now and he makes like electronic kind of experimental music um and he's sort of like developed his own um interfaces and equipment and stuff that will allow him to sort of like improvise and actually perform. Um, and it has this very kind of fascinating sound 
in in that respect that it gives me like an Autecker vibe of like I can't even understand how he's doing this or how he's like making this and it makes it like very fascinating to me you know musically it's also just awesome I think it's like really kind of like thudding like lumbering beats and stuff like that with like quite like harsh sort of synthesizers like sort of darting all over the place and everything and um and yet I will say in my defense that it's also a theme of the record where he'll like sample he samples himself saying something like don't take your physical abilities for granted for you could lose them in the snap of a neck and there's another track that's like um that's like composed of sampled sounds of like his doctor talking to him and his like wheelchair and other like medical equipment that he uses every day sounds like a and so it's violation like, <laughs> yeah it might be um <laughs> on himself Um, (laughs) yeah yeah. but so it's very much at the forefront like his sort of disability and and yeah i think the music really delivers the other thing though that i think really takes us to the next level is um it's he's from like the oakland music scene do you guys remember the ghost ship warehouse fire yeah you darren no no so so there was basically like an experimental music venue in oakland um that was like people were living in it and they were holding shows there and it like didn't have any permits or anything like that. And it eventually caught fire. I think like everything was sort of, you know, linked together by a ton of extension cords and stuff like that. And it it was like a huge tragedy, like a bunch of people died and stuff. And, um, and it's sort of like near and dear to my heart because I feel like I played in so many venues like this. You know what I mean? Like I can totally imagine just the entire thing being, rigged together with uh, extension cords and you know kind of pretending like when the fire marshal comes that nobody actually lives there and stuff like that um just so you can like put on music and anyway the the cool thing about this record is it's two live sets they're both like 20 minutes ish and the first one is from like 2014 before the fire and the other one is from 2018 after the fire and it's like quite haunting because you hear people clap and it's clearly like a small room and you know, I think the, the review in The Wire sort of mentions this, but it's like you have to imagine that maybe some of the claps you're hearing like actually died in the fire since this is the same scene where these same circles are, are in. And so basically like between his, his disability and this fire, it just feels like there's so much tragedy weighing on this record um, that I don't know. I, I guess I, I just feel conflicted. You, you know, we always talk about this, like how much should you weigh that stuff? Should the music have to stand completely on its own? But can I be off the hook a little bit since it's so clearly deliberately part of the record? Yeah, I mean, especially when when it's about part of the record, I think it's fine. Like you know, I love uh, like Vic Chesnut, who who has sort of a similar story. He was uh, right, right. he was paralyzed, and he sings a lot about that, like in in his songs. And you right. know, it, it, it's a. It, it becomes a part of it. What, what I don't like, and, and I think what you're talking about, is like when Pitchfork uh, shoehorns it in, or what was that one album we listened to, and it just was literally like a Michelle Obama speech, like tacked in the yeah. middle of it, and they, they yeah. tried to act like it was some big political thing. You know, like like stuff like that, I I don't like. Yeah. But but I, when, it, when it's a part of the... I mean, maybe you're doing it a little bit with the, the people clapping could have died, you know, but I'll allow it. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. I don't know. I, I just like, I can't stop thinking about it, but you know, I, I, I do feel like it's a little, you know, it's, it, I think it breaks my rules a little bit because I think musically the record is awesome and it would be like in my top 10 of the year. Um, 
top 15 of the year without any of this, but like with this stuff that I can't stop thinking about while I'm listening to it, it just vaults it up because it's, it makes it such a, it makes it like a conceptual art piece, like beyond just a record. Um, but okay. Number three for you, Dan is. Yeah. Number three for me, I got sun with life metal. Uh, this is their first, um, uh, record of their own uh in, in quite a while uh since since canon in 2015 which was a bit of a disappointing uh sort of record sort of short uh not not that great and so really th- this is the first one that's been awesome since monoliths and dimensions which uh, i believe is 2009 um so, you know, it's just great to have them back. You know, th- this is a band, you, know, you if you're listening to a Sun record, you know what it's going to sound like. You're getting crushing, massive uh, guitars, distortion. It, this is just for somebody who, you know, wants to hear what, what a, a billion amps sound like together, you know, um, uh-huh. and just sustaining a, a note for for however long and and i love when they do things like like they do on this record uh it's just each song's just a side of a, a vinyl uh, you know we got four tracks here we got two discs uh you're you're in for the haul and i i just love this like um it, it's one of those things you just can get get lost in you know you, you put on your nicest pair of headphones you know lay down close your eye and you you can just swim in in all this uh you know distortion and guitars and you know th- there's other things in it uh someone plays like a, a moog uh there i wanted to ask actually is that sort of new for them there's like no. cello there's some vocals and stuff uh, no no they're they're uh like when i saw them live um there there was like a guy playing um a synthesizer like with them and that that was four or five years ago and um uh-huh. they, they've had vocals on on other things uh, usually it's um it's uh, a, a, a the guy who's on the, the May- mayhem's uh, first record i can't think of his yeah, name off the yeah. top of my head um but yeah yeah they, it's not incredibly new in fact like i don't think anything on this record or really anything sun does very often is is new um it's just the, it just the, felt the, like it was like it was a little brighter. Like yeah, the, in, it wasn't so like dark and crushing. It was like kind of heavenly. Feeling. No, I mean with the title, which is like a joke, you know, on death metal, life metal. You know, uh, it, it's so, but it, but it like it, it being a joke, it, it sort of still makes sense. You know, it does sort of have that sound. And I mean, this this was uh this and the um the like companion record Pyroclass um were right. were recorded by Steve Albini and. I mean, he's just a great, he's just a great producer. I think he worked like really well with, with like this, this type of thing. I, you know, this is the best, uh, sounding sun record, like, you know, yeah, production yeah. wise and, and everything. Um, just, just a, a great record, both of them. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think they're both really brilliant, even though they didn't quite make my list. Um, Darren, what was your number three? My number three was Angel Olsen's All Mirrors. Okay. <clears throat> All right. How come? So. I remember when the album came out, and I think Dan, you had sort of like, uh, you weren't really too hyped about it, um, and so I, that kind of made me like not all that interested. But I ended up checking it out anyway, and and I think it was you, Gabe, that actually said you felt like it was a little bit more of a return to like kind of her original uh, sort of like style, you know, like kind of having her vocals sort of buried and yeah, that yeah, sort yeah. of like uh, you know after that country what was the previous one i can't remember what it was called but uh, uh my woman my woman yeah that was so like you know her vocals were so clear and up right. front and i yeah, like yeah i, remember yeah, like I think was... we reviewed it on the old podcast didn't we or at least uh, i remember talking about it but um yeah 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 this one i mean dan i'm, I'm really interested to kind of know like why you don't like it but i feel like 
um, it's an expansion of like kind of her original sound, sort of what I was really wanting from um, on my woman. And I felt so like disappointed when it just wasn't that. Um, what do you, what were your, are you yeah. still feel that way? Uh, yeah, I sort of do. I, I, I was like a, a, I mean, I still am a, a big fan of hers. Like since, since she, you know, first came out, I, I like to this day, one like, I would say it's like a, a favorite record of mine, Strange Cacti. And, you know, everything since then has just sort of been like, not quite as good as that, but, you know, I, I, I've liked all the records. But this one, it just sort of seemed like, I don't know, I, I it just... It, it was a it was a little bit of a return to form, like Gabe said, with the with the vocals being buried, which is like something I really love about like Strange Cacti. It had like that record like has this like sort of ethereal, uh, sort of like um, Francois Hardy like sort of sound uh, to it, yeah. and and I feel like yeah, the vocals like sort of do that here, but it's like with this production uh, that's better, uh, uh, you know, high, higher. Um, you know, I, the, you just got more money behind her, and all. You know, I, I complain about that constantly, but um, it just was sort of was like a, a souped-up version of like her original sort of lo-fi thing. And you know, I don't want somebody to just keep making the same record over and over. But I don't know. This one just uh, like I wasn't the biggest fan of my my woman. Like, it's a good record. Um, I listen to it every now and then, you know. But it's it's not like a favorite of mine. And, and you know, this one just sort of like was uh, another disappointment, and and sort of more of a disappointment. So it's maybe better than I, I'm giving it credit for. And honestly, I haven't listened to it um, since like the month it came out. Um, yeah. So maybe I should I, give I, it another spin, but I weirdly like was really enjoying it when it came out and then found myself not returning to it very much because it's, it feels like very heavy and dramatic. There's like huge string accompaniment. Very um, dramatic. Yeah. I, that's a good point. Yeah. I think the production is like awesome, but it's, it's sort of like produced like a like a classical record or something where the you know there's huge dynamic range you know what i mean like it gets so quiet and soft and then will like just swell so loud with the strings and everything and it makes it like a record that i can't like put on you know i can't like put it on the car while i'm driving with somebody you know it's like the kind of thing where i got to sit down and listen through the whole thing and it just prevented me from spending much time with it that didn't give you any hang up darren it did i mean certainly like it's not a great record to put on speakers really like you kind of have to have headphones on yeah, and, yeah. Like, to enjoy yeah. it now the songs like uh like what it is is one in particular that kind of like has a you know a beat to it it actually reminds me of one of her earliest singles uh high five one of the first songs i remember like listening from her um but yeah like especially the lark like the first song it's it's like so quiet it's like hard to like be able to like listen and pay attention to if you don't have headphones on but i mean i feel like there's like a lot of like really great flourishes like pretty much after that that um i mean who cares if i can't listen to it like in the car or whatever like i'm i'm okay with like listening to it on headphones i don't know i enjoyed it and i kind of continue to enjoy it and um i feel like it's just an expand it's it's really the natural progression that i kind of like thought would be the direction she would take. I mean, obviously, you know, you might want somebody to go more lo-fi, but that's just not what happens when somebody gets famous and makes more money, true. like you said, Dan. So, if anything, I would accept this over, like, what uh, my woman was. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, you know, actually, she... I guess I don't know the story exactly right, and I'll probably fuck it up, but <laughs> she was, like, working on these songs in, like, a very lo-fi, like, solo guitar kind of intimate way and decided to 
create these arrangements but liked both of them so much that sometime this year she's going to be releasing like the original version of the album um, interesting yeah you had you had told me that i i hope that still comes comes th- uh true because i would i would really like to hear that version you know? yeah yeah i'm actually very interested to check that out um my number three is swans leaving meaning nice. um i said some of my piece but i guess i just want to add that for me i've always thought of you know i love swans but i've always thought of listening to them as as work you know <laughs> and this is the first one that I really was just compulsively listening to it. I think it's like, like I said, it just sounds like gorgeous, but it's, it's just much more focused. It's like a very taut hour and a half instead of two hours. Um, (laughs) and to me, it's just like a pleasure to listen to. Um, the other thing I just, I just to avoid emails, I just want to mention, yes. Um, swans was canceled this year. Weirdly, I think, um, (laughs) You know, I think that was which, 2018, you know, actually. Yeah, I guess, but or it, maybe I don't know, even it 17. Some, it was a while ago. Yeah, it raises some. Well, he, he, this year it was like when it, it, I really felt it because all of these best of the decade lists, like Swans, isn't appearing on any of them, which is crazy, you know, because everybody loved the Seer and To Be Kind. Um, but you know, I, I just feel like it's such a 2019 problem where it's like I love this record and um, and yet it's become like almost political to put it on your list or something. Um, you know, I, obviously, I don't know. There, there's all, you know, there's allegations of rape against Michael Girard. His like big supporters claim that they're not, they're not uh, credible allegations. It goes back and forth. I, I just like find myself just not really giving a shit, you know, it's just like music to me. And I don't, re- we've talked about it before. I don't really listen to music, like investing in the personality, unless it's Dax Pearson, like I mentioned. Um, <laughs> yeah, I like But you. I try not to like, <laughs> invest in the person's like real life or whatever um i did have this thought though tell me what you think about this um like you know how people like people want to make an argument like if you eat meat or something um you are like complicit in climate change you know what i mean um which i'm not sure if i agree but there's like a conversation we had there um and the same conversation happens like if you listen to swan you're complicit in like rape culture or something like that um you know, they would say that you're supporting like, you know, whatever rapists or abusers and stuff like that. You shouldn't be doing that. Um, but the thing is, nobody would try to argue that like meat isn't fucking delicious. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's a different claim. So I was thinking, what if somebody had the balls to give like this Swans record like a nine out of ten, but say, but don't listen to it? Wouldn't that like I would kind of respect somebody who did that. Yeah, I mean, I guess. I don't, I don't. <laughs> so so it's like saying yeah. meat is really good, but you shouldn't eat it. That's yeah, that's right. Because say. that's what you have. You have to say that. You know what I mean? We all like meat. I mean, is delicious, I guess I. But it's bad. Yeah. I mean, I guess I agree with that. Like, I eat meat. Uh, you probably shouldn't, but it's delicious. Yeah, so I, I do. I just feel like yeah. this would be a nice compromise because you'd be like. You know, because it, like next year, probably somebody's going to review Thriller or something, and they're going to act like it's a six out of ten. You know what I mean? <laughs> but you should be able to say it's a ten out of ten, but don't listen to it. You know what I mean? I, just, or, I, I feel like that's more consistent. Or listen to it on something, uh, you know, just torrent it, and then they don't make any money. So, yeah, that's also <laughs> I don't, that's also a little I don't know. Um, okay, we are on to our number twos. Dan, what is your number two? All right. Well, uh, after that, uh, number two <laughs> for me, uh, Purple Mountains, uh, self-titled oh, Purple Mountains. Wow. Uh, this is a record I like. 
it, it was sort of a blunder for me. I, I had never gotten super into Silver Jews or uh, Purple Mountains, which, for people who don't know, are both fronted by uh, David Berman. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it was somebody like I, I had heard some Silver Jews records. I liked them. It just never, never got like super, super into them. But, but this this record was catching some buzz, and and I had I had it saved on my phone, and and I, I wanted to get around to it. And then he killed himself, and yeah. um, you know, every you know everybody's talking about it, and I I thought you know, damn, I, I gotta hear this. You know, I, I you know you got you gotta listen to it. And just like from the first listen, like instantly, like loved it, and was like angry at myself for for not listening to it to the day it came out you know these these are like these uh like sort of like uh sardonic sarcastic like uh folk songs uh yeah like i just the the lyrics are so great like i mean especially not not to do what you did with that other record but like you know bring in his suicide <laughs> into it you know like i, I mean they, I, i'm sure they were good songs before that but then you know when you when you have that uh looming over this record like I, he killed himself like the the night before they were supposed to go on tour uh yeah if i remember correctly um you know take a little ian curtis uh you know chip right. chip but um you know th- these are just some some great like folk songs uh like i i love margaritas at the mall it's just like the catchiest yeah, it's like the catchiest but like like so many things on this record you know the problem with with a lot of uh you know sort of like sad like things you know it, it's just like so depressing to listen to you know it just brings you down but these like many many of the songs here are are sort of cheerful but then like it, he's not singing anything cheerful like whatsoever and i i think like yeah. whenever you can do that um that's just like the that 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 that's a like great songwriter to me you know like when you can take something that's like you can you can take like one emotion and make it a, a completely different you know one, um, and just I, I I absolutely like love this record. Yeah, I love it too, and I, you know, it's it's such a weird thing because I was listening to it when it came out, and I thought it was great, and I thought it was so funny, like it's very self deprecating yeah. and like kind of like just hilarious, you know, like it's hard to even explain. You know, he just says something like, um, uh, "What is it?" Yes, I've been whatever, something by the void. Much of my faith has been destroyed. Um, and it's just delivered with like this kind of funny. I don't know. I just thought mm-hmm. it was such a funny yeah, record. It, it, it's like I said, you know, like he's saying like something that's like really depressing. But yeah, he yeah, says but it then, in like a sarcastic, funny sort of way. But then he he actually commits suicide. And it's like oh, the, the lyrics are so <laughs> dark, you know, like all of a sudden it like totally changed meaning. Um I think with a little distance, you know, cause I was kind of listening to it like over the, you know, over the past couple of weeks, um, I was finding that it was like easier to listen to then right after he committed suicide. But, um, so I think it will sort of maybe develop that funniness again, but like never in totally the same way. I mean, I don't know, like an amazing record and just one that's like, was just radically transformed by, mm-hmm. uh, by events. Did you get around to checking this out, Darren? I did not. Sounds well, like I should have though. Too late to have fun listening to it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, a fantastic record. Um, Darren, what is your number two? So my number two is Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds, Ghostine. Wow. That I shocks me. Amazed. <laughs> I am amazed. All right. It's also on my list. I assume it's on yours, Dan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we can have the convo now. So, you know... <clears throat> I figured this would surprise you guys, but I remember when you had been talking about it and I sort of 
checked it out at that point, but then just kind of skipped out and then came back to it later. But, um, I mean, I, I'm sure you guys have a lot to say about it as well, but like this album sort of like just kind of grabbed me like immediately and sort of, you know, <sighs> never let go. You know, it's obviously a pretty, like, it's an incredibly like dark record, like very harrowing, like, you know, and obviously knowing the story of like his son and all this stuff outside of it, just, uh-huh. um, it, it, it obviously kind of reminded me a bit of like Mount Erie's A Crow Looked right, at Me, right. right? But the, like, I don't know, I don't know what it is, but like Mount Erie, like I didn't want to listen to that record again, like after, um, after having heard, hear it, heard it, you know what I mean? Right. And maybe it's because like the lyrics are just so so plain and so like explicit like exactly mm-hmm. the the exact emotions that he's trying to say whereas like Nick Cave is a little more poetic I feel like about it you know what I mean like yeah the music's more interesting and there's there's it's uh I don't want to say theatrical but it's like it's like a movie almost like a film kind of playing out like he's telling a story you know especially the the last track and everything right um, it just and and I don't I don't want to say that it's like entertaining, but like it's just it's a record that I feel like I could, I don't know. It's like reading a good book and like wanting to come back and read that book again, or or a, a favorite film, like wanting to see that again. Like I never described a crow looked at me like that because it was just so yeah sad and depressing and so uh, so raw. I guess. Well, I feel like it's very helpful that. You know, like with Mount Erie, he's just sort of like confronting his grief like yeah. in the most direct way possible. Right. And this is like Nick Cave kind of looking for peace. And it's, you know, it's unclear really if he totally finds it. It feels to me like it, it, the darkness kind of slips in here and there um, in, in quite devastating fashion at points. But because he's sort of like searching for this peace or like searching for something to believe in or something, the music kind of takes on a pretty serene and like sort of elegaic quality you know what i mean that makes it not so crushing it right. makes it like actually quite beautiful and peaceful you know it, it makes you feel like you're at some points like you're in the album cover you know which yeah. is like almost absurdly like exaggeratedly peaceful um i think on purpose but you know what i mean dan like how it, it's not so difficult because it's actually very beautiful no exactly i mean what darren said is is kind of exactly what i was thinking like you know i i compared this to mount erie which which when we reviewed that on the old podcast i said like it was a great record uh i never want to hear it again in my life um (laughs) you know because 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 like like you said darren it, it just was like in your face like you know my wife died you know like that that's right, what the right. album's about whereas like here i th- I think like if you didn't know that nick cave's like son had died yeah you could maybe i mean it, you know it still sound like a sad you know uh record but it wouldn't be maybe as like personally uh you know like devastating um right. like whereas like mount erie there's there's no hiding in it you know like like you said darren nick cave is um a little bit more poetic you know things are like sort of drenched in 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 uh you know metaphor or, or whatever um and and yeah the music is just so much more interesting uh th- like this this does not sound like um really any uh bad seeds record that that precedes it you know there's there's barely any if any percussion you know on it it's right. it's like very like uh, ethereal and like sort of synth heavy um 
it's just like uh it's this like great end cap to this um trilogy you know skeleton tree and push the sky away and and in this record uh it's it's just like a monster i mean like like darren said too you know just from the first time i listened to this you know i i'm a huge nick cave fan i love him i knew i was probably gonna like this record but this is one of those records and, and this is like um a thing that doesn't happen like too often like when i listen to it the first time i like immediately know that's a this is a great record uh I, i'm gonna love this record for a long time you know and uh this, this this like definitely did that to me. I, I mean, I think this has been number one on my list since uh, whatever day it came out, uh, October fourth, uh, two thousand nineteen. Yeah. You know? So like since 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 I first heard it, you know, I, I sort of like knew that this was going to be number one. I mean, <clears throat> just absolutely fantastic. And and at first, like when when I hadn't heard the record yet, I thought it was weird how he's like splitting it into these two discs and stuff. You know, I I, uh-huh. I, I think I joked about the you know just trying to double the sales. You know, being a double record, <laughs> right. but. Um, but it, it's like really split in sort of a nice way and something that's kind of lost with streaming. Um, like, like the first half is sort of like from, you know, one perspective and the second half is sort of like from his perspective. And, you know, like the, those last three songs are just like real, you know, heavy. I mean, Hollywood ending with that, like, um, yeah. fable or whatever you know about about kisa having this baby that dies and stuff and go, uh, you know going to the the villagers and and you know seeing learning that everyone knows somebody you know has had somebody die in their lives and, and everything it's just i you know with with nick cave doing this like falsetto you know singing uh yeah that i i, I don't recall him ever doing before um it, it just you know this is just a a fantastic record it's definitely the sort of record i think that like if you experienced, you know, a, a close relative or somebody like passing that, like it would be a, a record that I feel like would help you get through that. You know what I mean? Whereas like Mount yeah. Eerie, I, I would only feel like I was just being reminded. Some, of, it's like, like dwelling. Yeah. 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 I mean, I guess I, I would quite confidently say that if like, if his son didn't die or anything, um, I would still give this like a 10 out of 10 because yeah, it's just for sure, for sure, for sure. It's just an absolutely magnificent record. And, you know, I had the weirdest experience, you know, you said like you put it on Dan and you immediately were like bowled over by it. It was weird for me because it was like the first time I listened to, it, I was like, I didn't even feel like it was music. Like it felt more like an audiobook or something. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I was like, what the hell? Like, this is just like spoken word over like drifting ambient, you know, backgrounds. And, it was weird because as I continued listening, like the songs started to reveal themselves. I think it's it's sort of brilliant how every song has like a little thing that you can latch onto at first. You know, it'll be like whether it'll be some like little synth line or like, you know, these kind of like bell sounds, um, you know, just there, there's always like some little hook or something mm-hmm. like that. And it sort of like guides you into, you know, it helps you like get into the the the. Oh, you know the lyrics and like the dense you know sort of like ambient structures and stuff and it, it just helps you realize that these are like very well-crafted songs and they are i don't know just absolutely so listenable and the way that it's divided into two discs is is brilliant like you said because it, it also helps make it digestible you know because each song is like very distinct and there's only eight on the first disc and then there's only three on the next disc and it's like just very easy to remember which song is which and like sort of parse it out that Mm -hmm. way. Um, 
you know, it's just like not, it's, it's just not overwhelming at all. It's really like, I feel like he's, you know, in a musical way, like sort of literally taking your hand and just like guiding you into this. And it makes it like extremely listenable. It makes it just that much more, you know, amazing as just a musical thing. Um, and I do think the arrangements are absolutely fascinating, but then, yeah. And then it's like the, the, almost the cherry on top is like the really devastating emotionality to it. And like, there are parts that are really like the whole Kisa thing you mentioned is like, I mean, just jaw dropping, like the, you know, I remember I was listening to my, my girlfriend is a bit of a softy, you know, and I was listening to like <laughs> this album and had told her a little bit about it. And I'm listening to like waiting for you. And she like mm. walks up in tears and she's like, wait a minute. Is he waiting for his son to come back? <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> I was like, yes, I think so. And she's like, just crying. Um, it's it, it's brutal, but absolutely yeah. beautiful. Um, yeah. yeah. Anything more to say about uh, about Ghostine? I mean, I, I just think it's like masterful. You know what I mean? Like, <clears throat> I think some of the best records that we have always talked about kind of deal with like the ending of a relationship. You know what I mean? Like somebody being heartbroken, right? And we don't get too, I don't feel like there's as many albums out there that, you know, somebody takes the subject of like death and is able to just create something, um, just like a, like a magnificent piece of art from it. You know what I mean? Like you'd almost yeah. think that like you would just become discouraged, like talking about it or even like trying to, you know, come to grips with it. But instead he creates like, brilliance basically it's it's like like i don't i i am obviously not really nearly as talented or not talented at all but like there's no way I, I feel like i could do something like this you know what i mean like to to put all of that energy into something and release it to the world is i don't know yeah it's, it's amazing and i think he talked he talked a little bit about you know feeling like how like he was he basically like couldn't write for a while and he was sort of saying like i you know just how you feel like oh, I didn't do this topic justice, you know? Or like, yeah. I didn't capture this right. And he said that sort of like involuntarily, like lines and and musical motifs and stuff just started like coming to him and it sort of like happened very organically like that. Mm -hmm. um, but it is amazing. Like, I, you know, you just can't think of a greater uh, encapsulation of, of tragedy, you know? I, I get that it would, I, I would feel like it's impossible to do. Yeah. And it's incredible that he pulled it off. Um, okay. So I guess in a moment, that was your number two, Darren, I guess in a moment it'll be clear, uh, you know, everybody else's list, but my number two <laughs> is a $75 bill. I was real. Anybody check this out? Yeah, I did. Uh, that one actually almost made my, you know, I, it sort mm. of bounced from five to six and ended up on six. Yeah. This is kind of like a, um, it's just so like, it, it's like a made for me it's like i want it just injected directly into my veins you know um it's sort of like this west african like desert blues jams mixed with like you know new york minimalism like tony conrad and stuff with like these droning strings there's like a lot of like john kale style some of the the jams get like so uh raw sort of that they're um they sound sort of like white light white heat by velvet mm -hmm. underground um it's like it's just so fucking cool. And then like the percussion, it's like hand percussion, but it's made on like sort of, he like makes these boxes and things like that. Um, it's just, it's just like, I don't know. It's just the kind of thing like on paper, I'm like, that's going to be my favorite thing ever. And then it somehow exceeds my expectations. Um, it's 
just incredible absolutely fucking slaps i mean every just like jam is just like banging and some of the tracks are like in you know have like 21 beats to a measure and stuff and they still fucking slap i can't believe it but (laughs) you know it's a little bit like you know it makes you think of like the most hip like guys that you know i don't know work at a record store or something you know and like just borrow bits and pieces from the coolest shit that they love Uh and i'm here for it and i also you know not to get too political but I feel like it was sort of a tragedy this decade that like appropriation, you know, quote unquote, became taboo um, because, you know, you think about like how fun it used to be, like how a lot of our favorite artists, like in the early 2000s, you know what I mean? They were just like freely borrowing from everything. And it was like not uncommon to hear like, oh, you know, like this, this band and corp- like combines tribal drums with like, you know, Indian Raga with you know whatever blues and you know what i mean like there was sort of like a freewheeling spirit to that and it became like a little bit uncool and i just love that these are like guys that you know they live in new york and they just are like you know why not why why shouldn't we like search outside of the music we've always known and like find interesting because there's like an indian there's like middle eastern vibes to this there's like sort of raga vibes i mean it's just like you know what i mean like it's it's inspiring don't you kind of miss that yeah i mean you know this this record like, like i think what you said is a is a good uh description of it like the it, it sounds like some some cool guys sort of like us that um you know <laughs> spend too much time listening to music that that nobody else really listens to right, or right. or cares much about and and borrowing pieces from that and you know making a band from it um it, it's just like an absolutely like great record to just throw on you know like it, it's yeah it, it's strange it being like so sort of like um you know borrowing from the, from these like sort of uh un unpopular sorts of music f- for being that it's like very like listenable and um you know like y- you could put it on in the car you know and and I have and and everything uh, it is funny like their their band name is awful $75 bill like <laughs> in fact like you you had listened to this and you told me to listen to it cuz you thought I'd like it and uh-huh. you know I saved it in my phone and I really like 100% thought it was going to be like um you know some like backpacker rap or something mm. and i was like i really like sort of put it off for for a minute um because i didn't want to listen to like uh, i didn't i wasn't ever in the mood for like a rapper i didn't already know and then you know i finally was like oh i gotta get to that i, I listened to it and i was like oh it's 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 like <laughs> the opposite of, of that yeah and uh you know uh, really in, enjoyed it and and like i said you know it it sort of like bounced around uh in my list uh when i was making this uh like it, it would be number six if, if we made a top 10 i think yeah um are you with me on this darren They're like let's i'm hoping that in the 2020s it becomes like okay to just borrow from other cultures again yeah i mean i think that's that was some of the most fun that you would have with like music like hearing totally you know like just having that freedom and not having to feel like you have to be so pc about everything you know what i mean and like careful about what you do and what you, how you use things you know what i mean like when we were way back in the day, like making music and stuff, like it never mattered. Right. It was just like, what's the weirdest, coolest thing that we could like come up with and like, just throw it on there, you know? But yeah. And we were listening to stuff, you know, because like, I think the two thousands really started this um, trend that I think $75 bill is like born from, which is like, you know, like these reissue series of like obscure African music and stuff, you know, like that became like so cool at that time. Mm -hmm. And, um, everybody was listening to like this really obscure shit that would get like a cool reissue 
uh, or compilation and you would be like, damn, like I fucking, you know, I'm so fascinated by, I've never even heard of this country, you know, and now I'm listening to like music from the late sixties from this country or whatever. And, um, and we, you know, we would get inspired by it and it's like, I don't know. I just think that that's, I think I'm just like, I'm proud of these guys that they just went for it and did it. You know, it's just, it's just fucking badass to me. Um, okay. So that was my number two, Dan, I guess we know you're number one then it is. It is. Thank you, Darren, for taking the sails out or the wind out of my sails, but, uh, Nick Cave and the bad seeds with, with ghosting. And that is actually my number one as well. Um, I'm wondering, Darren, what album is more meaningful and impactful and moving than <laughs> Ghostine? God, to you. now I'm starting to like regret the the, the choice <laughs> I may have made. Um, uh, I'm gonna give you guys a guess, though. I, I kind of I'm curious. Did Weezer release anything this year <laughs> <laughs> or last year? I have a strong feeling it's a Vampire Weekend, and oh, you would duh. be. <laughs> You would be correct. I'm I'm just that easy to predict. Wow. I guess. Um. Yeah. So Vampire Weekend, Father of the Bride. You guys know I'm a big Vampire Weekend stand. Basically, not that they've ever really released anything that was like totally terrible, but um, you know, this record, just like every other Vampire Week rec- Weekend record, I just kind of like wear out just listening over and over again. Um. You know, admittedly, you know, this is like a double album, so it is like, it is extra long, and there are certainly songs that are not as good as um, most of the others. But I would, I would argue that like the majority of the songs are right on par with most of Vampire Weekend's um, catalog. In fact, like the last five or six songs are like, I just kind of played them over and over and over again. I just like absolutely love them. I love having like uh you know Ezra like singing with um the girl from uh Heim Heim, Heim, yeah. Heim or whatever um i think that was like really really cool honestly i wish like almost the entire album had that cuz like the songs that she was on are just like the biggest highlights for me but um Sp- uh stranger spring snow and then the last song jerusalem new york berlin just I feel like magnificent songs. Like he's just a really great songwriter. You know what I mean? And it's, it's yeah. kind of weird talking about this after like kind of like pouring out so gushing over a uh, Nick cave and, you know, <laughs> right. giving him so much credit for like taking such a like heavy subject and creating something masterful for it. And then this album is just sort of, you know, just on the much lighter side of things, <laughs> but um, still a record that I, I played more than anything else in 2019 for sure. Yeah, I've been like a huge Vampire Weekend fan until now, and then for some reason I've been unable to like get into this record, and I have I have yet to even make it to the end of the record, like oh, that stretch that you're mentioning. Wow. I just I get like a little bored as I go through. I find the production really strange. It's like very, you know what I mean? It's like very clean and bright. It sounds like um almost like eighties ish. Like uh, makes me think of like eighties Paul Simon, which Paul Simon is like obviously the god of a uh, of a uh, Vampire Weekend, but it, it it's like. I don't know. It was like a little off putting at first, but I find that every once in a while I think, you know what? I should give that another shot. And it's like, I make it one more song through and it's like, I enjoy myself and then get like bored. Um, so, you know, by like 2025, I'm going to get all the way through and I <laughs> really like the whole thing. No, um, no. We're going to do a Vampire Weekend podcast. Okay. okay. We already promised yeah. the people that. So we did. Uh, we yeah. did. So we will be forced. I'll be forced to get, get into this, but <laughs> 
it, it's like I, I I have a strong feeling I'm gonna eventually like it, but for some reason I've had like a hell of a time doing it. Um, but all right, that is our um, our top fives of the year. You know, I want to talk about some honorable mentions and stuff, but I'm wondering if they'll just kind of come up organically if we discuss some other lists. First, naturally, I think we should discuss Pitchfork's um, always controversial list. Uh, Darren, could you read their top 10 albums of 2019? Yes, so uh, we have number 10, Purple Mountains, with a self-titled album. Number 9, Weissblood, Titanic Rising. Number 8, Finesse, with Agora. Number 7, Helado Negro, with This Is How You Smile. Number 6, Bad Bunny, with X100 Pre. Number 5, Solange, with When I Get Home. Number four, Angel Olsen with All Mirrors. Number three, Big Thief with UFOF. Uh, Number two, FKA Twigs with Magdalene. And coming in at number one, Lana Del Rey with Norman fucking Rockwell. (laughs) Really emphasize that fucking. Um, (laughs) So we got a chance to actually talk about a handful of these um, in our own list. But are there any others, um, maybe even throughout the whole list, that you think we should mention? I did like that Finesse record and honestly was a little surprised that it was so high in Pitchfork's uh, list. You know, they they normally have a a token, you know, electronic ambient thing uh, a a bit higher up uh, or lower, I guess, rather. Yeah. But um, it's weird that it made the top 10, but it did feel kind of like their token experimental artist this year. And I actually love him, but this record I found like a little ordinary or something. I don't know why I just didn't really click with me. Yeah, it's not it's not my favorite of his, but I did enjoy it. Uh, everything else, just sort of like, you know, we talked about Lana Del Rey. FKA Twigs, I thought it was okay. Uh, you know, it was fine to listen I to. I thought that was such a drag. Did you listen to this, Darren? I did not, actually. It's so boring to me. I cannot <laughs> get it. Like, I don't know. I, I find this actually, it's like a theme here because... Well, that's how I felt about Big Thief. Yeah. Yes. yes. I, I just didn't mm-hmm. think it was that interesting. I couldn't... I didn't or the it. other record that of theirs this year. You know, yeah, at least right. two and everybody loves both of them. So, like, I don't know what the deal... Like, it's weird because, like, Lana Del Rey, I mentioned I like it, but I get so bored by the end. FK Twigs, I'm, like, basically immediately bored and it just, like, never picks up. Big Thief, I find, like, very dull and boring. Angel Olsen, it's, like, so dramatic that I, like, I tire of it, you know... Even like Wiseblood, who I liked her last record a lot, but this was like so mellow and I just was getting so bored. And I was like, why is there like entire top 10 just boring, <laughs> boring. fucking mm-hmm. records? Um, I don't, I, I don't know. I mean, it's just, I don't know. Any other thoughts on the, on the list as a whole? Did it outrage you? Did you find it predictable or what? I mean, it was, it was sort of predictable. You know, Lana Del Rey obviously was going to be number one because it was like, I forget what number it was on the end of the yeah, decade right. list, but it was, it was the highest 2019 record yeah, by, yeah. by far, you know, so I guess that sort they of... They were t- handing out some like high-ass scores this year for the first time in a long time. Yeah. Like over nine. Yeah. I mean, this is sort of, and I guess we'll, we'll talk about this, but you know, this is sort of like the first year that in in a lot you know since basically high school that i kind of didn't give a shit what pitchfork was saying or picking or anything like i just i don't know if it, i aged out or i <laughs> patricianed out or or what but uh just for the most part i did not have any like interest in in this list or w- really what they were having to say this year 
Yeah, what, what do you think about? Well, the I mean, list it was it's it's just a little discouraging because, like, you know, when I come to these lists, I sort of start from the beginning, and I mean, you know, a couple of these records on here I put on my list and I enjoyed them, but then like, you know, Big Thief, I kind of had high expectations for. I mean, some of these I was just like, okay, like well, I don't, I just didn't understand, and it really made me feel like I was like out of touch or something. But <laughs> one thing I, I did want to mention, I mean, this is like the year of like Billie Eilish, and Billie Eilish, I think, was on on the. It was on, it was on the yeah. uh, the top somewhere. I don't know where it was, but um Yeah, even though they didn't give it like a particularly good score, it ended up at number 21. I was pretty surprised. Pretty surprised, but um I thought they would give it a higher score, but uh I mean, I liked the record. I thought it was fun. I think we talked about it a little bit on like a previous podcast or whatever. Um I just That's, to, like, that's another it. one actually. I revisited it um on this, you know, I, I made this long ass drive to Florida as part of my holiday travels and um I was re-listening to a bunch of this stuff and I forgot that it's like very fun, and then the you remember like the last three tracks are the most boring shit in a row. Oh like, yeah, yeah, just yeah, yeah. such drags, <laughs> and it's like again, I was thinking like, God damn, why is every record so fucking boring this year? But <laughs> it is, it's like admittedly a fun, you know, fine record, but uh, damn, it like falls apart at the end. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I wasn't like really. I, I was actually surprised because it seemed like everybody commenting on this, you know, on Reddit and other places. Um, there was less outrage about this list than there usually is. And it felt like they weren't really pulling as many stunts and it felt just like very on brand for pitchfork, which is mm-hmm. like basically pop, but any pop with like a slightly arty edge, you know? Um, and I don't know. It, it had, it just sort of had an air of like, well, I really don't hate the list, but, um, but like a lot of the albums on it, it's pretty boring. Um, some absent BNMs, Black Midi, very hyped uh, new rock band. Young Thug, which they gave a BNM. Um, Sun, which you mentioned. Um, I know that always like annoys us, right? When like they give, you know, they give records like not that great score, and then they uh, it somehow ends up on the list, or vice versa. Yeah, I mean, it, it is strange. I, I'll give them that. Like, you know, it's okay to change your mind on things, and uh, you know, I'm not a hundred percent on how they, you know, do write the list. You know, I'm sure it's. Uh, more of a democratic effort than you know an individual yeah. review or whatnot but um it, yeah it is just like really strange you know to to leave something off that, that got like a pretty good you know like the young thug record got a pretty good score that that black midi was really getting hyped it doesn't surprise me like sun gets left off because you know they, they have that one guy who's like sort of reviews the experimental stuff and if they take a vote you know how many yeah. pitchforker you know may have listened to it you know so i i'll, I'll forgive that one yeah. Um, well, I think an interesting contrast um, is Rate Your Music's rankings of the albums of the year, you know, which is compiled by the people on Rate Your Music. You know, they, they rate and score everything. Um, so, Dan, could you read Rate Your Music's top 10 of 2019? Yeah. Uh, number 10, Clipping, There Existed an Addiction to Blood. Number 9, Danny Brown, You Know What I'm Saying. Uh, 8, Black Midi with Schlagenheim. 7, <laughs> Lana Del Rey, Norman fucking Rockwell. Uh, number 6, Little Sims, Gray Area, JPEG Mafia, All My Heroes Are Cornballs at number 5. Uh, number 4, FKA Twigs, Magdalene. Uh, number 3, Freddie Gibbs and Madlib with Bandana. Uh, Wise Blood, Titanic Rising at number 2. And uh, number 1 was Tyler the Creator with Igor. Yeah, I mean, so I think there are a couple of these that are worth talking about. Does it strike you as, I can't even decide if I'm like wrong about this, but it feels like extremely different, sort of, even though there's a little bit of overlap, like mm-hmm. just extremely different from Pitchfork's list. And 
you know, do you agree with me? And like, what is that? Does that mean that like Pitchfork and its readers are getting farther and farther apart? Do you kind of have that feeling? I, I sort of like, like, like I, I just kind of said, you know, I, I, I find myself more in this rate your music camp. Uh, you know, I don't love all these records. In fact, I really hate one of them. Um, but this is sort of like more seems on the mark for the year, you know, like, yeah. I, I don't know. It, it seems like more to have its, its pulse on, on, at least the people I know or in the the places of the internet that I hang out, it, it sort of like matches up with that a little more than, than pitchforks list. Like I don't, I don't really know anybody that that's loving uh, the, these pitchfork top 10 records. Minus yeah, a what couple do you think, of Darren? Yeah. I mean, I think it's really interesting. Um, I think that, you know, having Tyler, the creator at number one and like nowhere on the top 10 of pitchfork is pretty telling. I mean, I feel like, mm-hmm over the years rate your music and pitchfork have been at least somewhat like similar you know what i mean there's usually the yeah the token pitchfork pick or two that just kind of you know really seems to mess up the entire list but this this seems pretty like wildly different i would almost say yeah i agree and i I think that maybe that's i never really noticed it but i feel like that's maybe been happening more and more as the years have gone by i would actually be curious to check that out um and I, i do think that's a product of like pitchworks decade which we talked a little bit about in our you know 2010s wrap up um where it's sort of moved into that like it's moved into pretty much pure pop even though they kind of stick with like the pop that they could make a case is like a little artier um and you know their readership i think is just sort of they've just sort of gone into like the more clickbaity world where they're hoping for sort of like quick clicks from facebook or whatever google results um and the the hardcore readers that used to be there i find that people are a lot like you dan where uh, i'm just like noticing that people say well i don't really go to pitchfork anymore i go to rate your music for recommendations and um you know which in itself creates sort of a weird (laughs) there's something weird about that since the people are deciding and then also reading it's like a circular kind of thing um but i don't know i just i just thought that, that it really jumped out at me this year how much difference there was um any records on this list? Uh, you know, you guys have any thoughts about? Do you, did you guys like Igor? I thought it was, um, you know, pretty cool. But I wish, I wish he would rap. You know, I love his rapping. Yeah, it's like a record I didn't mind, um, and and I think I liked it more than um, the last couple records of his. But yeah, I just, I, I wish, I wish he would rap. Uh, I, <laughs> I, I, I don't love it. I, yeah, I didn't actually check that one out, um, but I, I thought you I thought you actually liked it a lot, Gabe. I thought you were going to have it on your list. I I I liked it a lot. I listened to it a lot, but it's sort of like a just felt like a fun kind of like summer record or something, and um, it was just like cool production. But I, the, it was just like it actually annoys me a little bit how instead of like rapping, he would like kind of sometimes he would actually rap, but it would be like um, his voice would be like so affected and like buried. You know, like as mm-hmm. if he didn't want to be front and center. And it's like he was like purposely just avoiding like, you know, being there in the middle. And I love Flower Boy a lot, but I even felt there that I wish he was like a little more present and not just relying on the production. So, um, but I will say that it was the kind of record where, and actually all the records that made my list were this way, where it was like, you know, I, I listened to it for the first time and I had to like immediately listen to it again because I, I thought it was like such an interesting new sound kind of um i do want to shout out bandana by freddie gibbs and mad lib probably yeah. my fa- favorite rap album of the year um 
I just think it's a masterpiece. You, you like that, Dan? Yeah, I liked that record a lot. In fact, that was uh, that was like you know number number seven or, or something. You know, uh, on the list, it, it was one that I I bounced back. Maybe would have made the top five. Uh, it's just it's a great record. I mean, Freddie Gibbs is just completely underrated and uh, underappreciated. I think, um, even though the the fans uh, obviously love it. <laughs> right. Um, I will say though, on this list, uh, clipping that exists in Addiction to Blood that may be the corniest shit. I've ever heard in my entire life. I was so stupid. I could not get, <laughs> I could not get Pat. It was like, I don't know, like some mall ninja shit or like neck beer. I don't know. It was, it was awful. I, I, I hate their uh, I, first record too. I kind of liked it. I've actually had never listened to them um, before and I get what you're saying, but I thought it was like a little bit, it was like a little bit like tongue in cheek, you know, it's kind of like, using these horror core tropes and like a lot of the sounds are very like horror soundtracky. Um, it, it felt like, uh, I see what I assume ICP sounds like. I don't, I've never, I've never heard <laughs> anything but that magnet song, but it's what I assume ICP is. I thought it was pretty cool. And I, and I'm like, I said this before, but any record that ends with 18 minutes of a piano burning is all right in my book. Um, Derek, did you have any honorable mentions you wanted to shout out? Um, you know, we didn't talk about the Tom York record, uh, mm. on the list. I mean, I, I definitely enjoyed it. You know, unfortunately I didn't really like come back to it all that often. Um, you know, I checked out, uh, the JSOM record and I, I really, really loved her, but, uh, just couldn't really get into the, to that record. Um, mm. You know, we didn't talk about Tool, even though I felt like all three of us liked That's it. You know, I, we did like list. It. Damn it. I'm glad you brought that up. I, I felt like we had sort of talked about in our um our end of the decade like episode, we talked about like albums that got like memory hold, you know? Um, mm. And I feel like Tool sort of did that. You know, everybody was like really stoked when it came out and was like, oh, you know, Tool, actually, it's like actually pretty good and stuff. I haven't listened to that record or even <laughs> thought about it since we finished recording that podcast, you know? And I yeah. really did like, I, I, I like legitimately was was enjoying it for a bit but i i think like maybe it was just like i don't know nostalgia or like really yeah, wanting no we really I, we've aged out i think that's let's just admit it to ourselves I think yeah yeah i i think you're right but that that was that was like sort of something that surprised like i didn't see it really pop up in on many end of the year lists no. uh, or if, if any i i can't remember if it, it might have been we've talked about this before where it's like you're just so surprised that it like Didn't. is actually pretty good yeah that it wasn't just think straight it's garbage like, yeah you, you like think it's better than it actually is but then yeah i didn't find myself really you know returning to it at all um beyond that initial delightful surprise <laughs> um the one record i really want to shout out it was my number six album of the year um 100 gex oh God. motherfucking amazing Jesus. record i know you hate it dan but oh, it is it. like it is so fucking awesome it's like you know i don't know if you don't know you just gotta check it no. out but it's like it, the most it's it sounds like that crazy frog shit from like it's something like 2000s. that it's so but it's awful. like the most insane like um <laughs> i don't know like gen z crazy shit like what it must it's like what um you know tiktok must look like to a boomer you know like what, <laughs> like what it's like just so discombobulating you know and it's like the craziest like trap emo rap type of shit that's like and it's just like 23 minutes of just a blast of like the crazy you know it's like so exaggerated like to the point where it like it's like pc music kind of style like over the top maximalism but like cranked up like way higher um i think it's like a fucking masterpiece honestly save um, yourself the 23 minutes 
uh, ch- check that out, Darren, and report back to me. Okay. Um, <laughs> so we talked a little bit about, you know, how it's interesting how Pitchfork's list and Rate Your Music's list um, are so different. Um, and you mentioned this, Dan, as well, and I, I really strongly agree that I kind of feel like, I don't know if it's just me or if it's everybody, but for me, it felt like 2019 was like, finally, and we, we declare this every year, so who knows, but like the collapse... <laughs> The collapse of the pitchfork like hegemony, you know, mm-hmm. where they're no longer really like the leading voice. And it just it was like, you know, there were so many lists like being posted on Reddit and stuff like end of the year list, end of the decade list. And it just sort of felt like pitchfork was one of many, you know, for the first time. Yeah. And I found myself, you know, in 2019 kind of like just looking elsewhere, looking lots of different places. And it's like I, I had been doing that sort of my whole life, but it was kind of like there was always Pitchfork. You check out everything at Pitchfork BNMs, and then you look around on the margins to find like interesting stuff that they're not covering. But this time, it just felt like, you know, it, Pitchfork BNMing something just meant like nothing to me. It was like I would same. I was only looking elsewhere. Um, did you kind of feel like Pitchfork carried less weight than ever this year, Darren? Yeah, I mean, I would argue kind of like what you sort of hinted at that it's kind of been an, a trend. Um, you know, there was definitely a time where I felt like I would come to Pitchfork and look at the B&Ms and could just trust that, like, they were going to be at least decent enough and worthy of my time. You know what I mean? Like, I just, there was definitely a time where it it was heavily influencing my music taste. Um, Uh and that's just kind of like shifted, right? Because... And I, I think the most telling year was the year we did the Metaphor podcast where we were like reviewing every B&M that I know we really fucked out. up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, it really kind of revealed itself that like, God damn, like a lot of these B&Ms are not, they're not great. Like I, I'm actually like hating having to listen to this. And, um, you know, it's, it's a bit of a letdown cause like you just, you know, at least for us. And it's, it's so hard to like find other people to like really relate with like growing up with pitchfork. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of a letdown cause like you just relied on it for so long. And now, I mean, there's other sources obviously to turn towards, but like, I don't know. I just felt like pitchfork was like, you could always rely on it at least at one point, you know? No, exactly. I think you could. And it was, it was also really nice to have like sort of this, like love it or hate it there was kind of like this centerpiece to culture and everybody you know whatever they would be and m or hype up everybody had an opinion on it you know like you needed to check it out and form some opinion because this is what everybody's going to be talking about and like it just feels like i i feel strongly that 2019 was sort of significant and that like for the first time like this whole scene or whatever is just without an anchor you know what i mean dan yeah, I mean, it's, like, definitely, like, very fractured, you know? Like, yeah. I mean, for, for, for my whole, uh, you know, since since high school or, or, or whatever, like, Pitchfork was always, like you said, like, the, the sort of anchor, like, everybody, you know, everybody on whatever music forum I was hanging out at the time, you know, Yahtzee or something, like, that, everybody, you know, had this, like, similar thing in common, you know, everybody's listening to what they were talking about those B&Ms were always like sort of like at least must check out kind of things. And I I feel like this year, this has to be the first year since like, uh, whatever that I've barely listened to like any of those B&Ms like, you know, uh, 
basically the ones that are in the top 10 uh, of the of the list i you know i listen to those mostly just for this podcast um but but the the you know before the podcast and everything like i wanted to check out like most bnms you know i mean every now and then there'd be something i'd read the review and i i could tell it wasn't for me so you know maybe i'd skip it but it was always like this cold. I mean, I used to stay up every night, like here where where I live, like at one a.m. is when the new Pitchfork reviews right. come. Out. I I used to stay up every night, check check, uh, you know, Pitchfork right at one. Uh, if it was something, I remember like hanging out on like Mew and and being like, oh, is tonight the night they're gonna review, you know, wh- whatever know. big record? What are they gonna give it? You know, oh, and well. like and people arguing and uh, you remember there was always those threads like uh, it's it's Pitchfork time or you know with the, yeah, the clock thing. Yeah. Like those were like fun, you know. Like I, I have like fond memories. Uh, uh, of doing that and i i mean I, I don't really go on you much anymore um but i just feel like no nobody really cared like nobody's like waiting i mean today like it, you know it started slipping um you know i stopped checking out at one but i would ch- you know first thing when i got to work i i'd usually check pitchfork uh, today i even thought about you know because i was thinking about this podcast and stuff the first time i checked uh pitchfork today was after lunch and i, I was like <laughs> yeah. you know that that uh, uh, 18 year old Dan, you know, would be ashamed of myself, you know, or, or something. <laughs> and even, and even honestly, uh, a lot of weekends and stuff, I, I just will completely, you know, forget. And then like Monday, I'll go back and see, you know, I still like sort of check it just because, you know, I like to stay abreast with what's going on, but it, it has like very much become not like an important part of my life anymore. I know. And it's weird because it's like, I don't know. I, fi- I find that it's hard to, discuss music and stuff but i'm always looking for like people talking about you know yeah. a new release or something and you know it's weird because sometimes like pitchwork will bnm something i'll give it like a listen and i'll be like damn this shit sucks like you know do are there people who like it or does everybody think it sucks or what I th- and i like i can't even find anybody like talking about it at all like not on 4chan not on reddit like just there's not there's no thread about like nobody is you know just got a bnm for pitchfork yeah i can't believe there's no thread there's nobody even talking about it crazy and yeah and so and it's sort of sad because there's nowhere to um there's nowhere to discuss these kind of things but i do feel like you know and sort of talking about like was 2019 a good year in music i think it was pretty great actually for me to like branch out so much and just be completely untethered and just be sort of like searching many sources and, you know, just checking out lots of things and, you know, just discovering a bunch of things that are like so far off of Pitchwork's current radar, you know, it was like, um, really fun and refreshing. You know, I've always been doing it, but it was like this year, it just really felt like I was on my own. You know, I moved out of my parents' house for the first time or something. And, um, I, I really enjoyed it. I do want to say though, that I feel like this year was, it started extremely slow. Um, it feels like nothing came out until like July. Did you feel that way, Dan? Yeah, I mean, I I sort of thought it like stayed kind of a bad year. Um, you know, like the like the only like two records that I think are like what I'll consider you know classics that I'll like definitely listen to for a long time, and not just because you know like I'll probably keep listening to Swans and Sun just because they're two bands I love and you know I li- I go through their discography every now and then but like Purple Mountains and, and Nick Cave um are like the only ones that I think are like great records that I that I'll I'll keep in in the in the bank um I, 
and I don't think it was like because pitchfork or anything, you know, like I, I searched out, I, I spent a lot of time like with the wires into the year list. Uh, I, I really enjoy them. You know, it, it, their end of the year list is, is generally, you know, uh, it's 50 records long and usually I didn't know 40 of them or, you know, maybe 45. And so I like really the past couple of years, like have enjoyed like going through that, that 50 list. And, and, you know, last year, like I found a bunch of stuff I had never heard of, heard of this year. I I like, I really like the like Kaylee Malone, uh, sacrificial code, uh, like drone record. Um, I really liked Matata Roberts coin coin chapter four. Uh, but those are sort of the only ones I came away from in the wire list that, that I made. I haven't finished all 50 yet, but um, I've come pretty close. Um, a lot of them I liked. You know, I thought they were pretty good and stuff. But like, like th- those two are sort of like the only ones that maybe would have, you know, made, made my list or, or something, you know, like, I, I don't know. It just it just felt like. I don't know, like, like kind of an off year. Uh, and, and another thing, a lot of like some of my favorite artists, uh, and we should probably mention, uh, like Kanye released a record this year. And <laughs> right, it, like right. nobody even like, Ooh. this is the first time we've even mentioned it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, almost made it to the end. Almost, almost. You know, like, like this is a year, <laughs> a, a, a handful of like some of my favorite artists, Kanye, Young Thug, uh, Angel Olsen, like made records that I like just didn't really love or didn't think were were that great you know like the the thug record i thought was good it was fun um i I didn't think you know i don't think it stood up to like uh slime season series or or definitely not barter six or anything um you know i just i sort of felt like that with a lot of things like a lot of people just were sort of cranking out an all right record uh, a good record because that's true it's kind of a year of like uh, okay it was okay i don't know i I really felt like by the end that it was a lightning pretty great bolt year. Um, I love I love that lightning bolt record. I don't know why you don't. Um, but there are like at least twenty records that I would call like fucking awesome. Um, but they they took a long ass time to come out, honestly, and it sort of like annoyed me. I hope that's not a trend. You know, how, like I, I can't stand like movies. You know, because yeah, nothing comes come out, out until like yeah. November, and then they all come out, and you don't have time to like see all the ones you want to see, and then it's over for the next like eleven months. Um, so. I hope that music doesn't start to get like backloaded for list reasons, stuff like that. But you know, I, I just, I, I think there were like so many records that I think were just so awesome. But you know, again, I think it was cause I was like branching out so much. It's weird, you know, cause I'm like looking at like rate your music, right? Like this Dax Pearson album, it's got like 11 ratings on rate your music. And one of them is me. Um, <laughs> and you know, and it just, you just feel like isolated. Like you, you wish that there were some way to, talk about music or somebody writing about cool music that everybody was talking about. Um, I'm going to miss those days, but I think they're over. Um, what do you think about uh, 2019 Darren? Um, you know, admittedly I didn't get to like listen as much as I would have liked to just overall, but um, I definitely checked out a lot of stuff and unfortunately I didn't really like, there's a lot of things that just kind of immediately, I don't want to just say bored me, but it just didn't like, interests me right away you know what i mean um and i I think to dan's point like you know like hey i mean there were some like artists you know kanye west being one of them that released something this year and i just wasn't feeling it you know what i mean so it's not entirely like the sort of you know attention that uh pitchfork gives it but it's also the quality of the music and just something wasn't quite as great for a lot of the records that i had hoped for i mentioned jason earlier even Big yeah. Thief. I mean, I I liked Big Thief. Um, 
back when we talked about them on the yeah, podcast and yeah. stuff. Um, it just wasn't wasn't a great year, I think, in terms of quality. Well, uh, I think we talked about this a little bit on our end of the decade pod, but um, you know, do you have any hopes for twenty twenty? Um, you know, do you feel like we're gonna? I mean, we mentioned like a lot of people, a lot of uh, tried and true leaders of music, sort of failing a little bit or just releasing letdowns of albums this year. Um, maybe the old guard is sort of receding. The 2010s are officially over. It's time for some, some new blood. Um, I don't know what, what's in store for 2020 in the, in the world of music. Well, I hope, uh, Kanye gets out of his Jesus phase. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> uh definitely. Um, I, I don't know. I, I'm excited. You know, like I, I, we've talked about this, I think off air. Um, like, you know, trap music has always has been like the the big voice of of the last like handful of years, maybe most of the decade, and I, I feel it waning. You know, so I'm I'm really excited to see what what takes its place. Uh, you know, what what comes next uh, for rap and just you know music in general, you know, popular music in general. Um, I don't know. I I. I I look forward to I, the, the the fracturedness like is is bad in one sense that like it makes discussion harder and everything, but it also like I, I feel like uh, there's easier access and easier like knowledge with like rate your music and stuff of like finding um, good experimental records, you know, like um, like maybe not having to wait until the end of the year like for the wires list, you know, to 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 find like this good trove of it now, you know, like with you know Pitchfork, you you go on it, you see the five reviews for the day or whatever but like i rate your music you know you can go and you can say show me the best uh experimental records for for the year or or you know you know the best jazz record you know you you don't have to just listen to the one token pitchfork jazz record you know or or whatever uh so i i think like the the fracturedness like maybe will end up working like uh four you know like uh, to be a positive um and i hope it does at least yeah i think it might actually be you know, it's going to be weird because I think, you know, all signs point to Pitchfork is supposed to go behind a paywall at some point uh, pretty soon here. Um, that will just be suicide, was, <laughs> you know. I, yeah, I thought it was going to be by the end of uh, last year, but now I'm hearing it sometime this year. Um, but basically, I think uh, there's going to be a big vacuum. There's going to be like a huge fracturing, but maybe, just maybe, you know, the, there will be like a rise of some new voices or some there will be some like new sort of anchor for people to latch onto or something like that. Um, you got any hopes, Darren? Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> I agree with Dan. I, you know, hopefully Kanye turns things around. <laughs> I mean, I think, I, I think his, <laughs> no, I mean, honestly, it's not just him. Like I think his, influ- he has a major influence over a lot of other artists. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and if it's not him, then hopefully there is somebody else who kind of like, you know, steers the ship in a new direction for the the rest of the 2020s. You know, I'm kind of, I want something to like really excite me. Like as much as I love, you know, a band like Vampire Weekend releasing a record, you know, I don't want to just keep talking about the same bands that I listened to all throughout the 2010s. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah, exactly. Certainly. Yeah. And it doesn't feel like Vampire Weekend is going to like, you know, revolutionize music and like start a you know reverberations throughout the world of music. You know, like right, those days that, are over. Right. Um, yeah. Exactly. That time has kind of already passed. You know what I mean? Same with like a you know like a Radiohead record. I mean, if a Radiohead right. record came out, of course I'd listen to it. But like the days of Kid A and OK yeah. Computer, I mean, that's long past. So I don't know. Yeah. Uh, just something different to uh, you know shake things up. Even if it 
feels like something that I've heard before, like just having a new band kind of take that spot, you know? I, I just think it's like really, in- I think we, we are not alone, and, but it, it's just bizarre to be thinking like, I hope that everything changes, you know, like <laughs> that, that's how we're ending the year. That's how we're ending the decade. Like, please, for the love of God, let it not be the way it is. You know what I mean? Like in 1999, nobody was saying that they had like, you know, flaming lips and Radiohead and Beck and Bjork and stuff. And they were probably like, damn, let's keep riding this fucking wave, you know? But like, I don't know. I guess I I have a feeling the whole music world is like, come on, let's do something else now. (laughs) All right. Well, what do you think? We'd love to read your thoughts on the air. Email us, uh, popshieldpod at gmail.com. And we got a lot of emails while we were away. We'll get to some of those uh, next episode. Uh, And speaking of next episode... As usual, we're not sure what we're doing yet, uh, but check like Instagram, uh, Twitter, um, maybe Facebook. I'm bad about posting there, um, and we'll, we'll try to let you know once once we know. Um, so if you like the show, help us out by subscribing. Leave us a five-star review uh, wherever you get your podcast. Stay connected, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. All that is at Pop Shield Pod, and we'll see you in two weeks. See you. So long.